people. Uh, and what does that really mean? Because, I mean, we're called people of faith because we call ourselves Christians. But I believe that we can also just kind of go through life uh, unaware, if you will. And if we're not careful, it, it's one of those things that we can allow to slip by us. And living by faith, I believe, might look differently than some of us might think. Because this is how I define living by faith. Because God has asked me to take some risk in my life. And if you're not taking some risk, like some God kind of risk, led by the Holy Spirit, are you really living by faith? Because faith is, is, there's an aggressiveness to it and a stretching out, if you will, to what? To stretch out into what God has for you. Not just to play it safe. You know, I, I love this quote. And it comes from a book, it's actually, I'll I'll tell you the title of it, it's one of my favorite books. It's by a pastor named Mark Batterson, and the title is In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And uh, it's actually about one of David's mighty men. But uh, he makes the statement in this book, and he says, Most people live their lives to arrive safely at death. Let that sink in for a second. Most people live their lives to arrive safely at death. But looking back, realizing that they never truly lived. They never took those big steps of faith that God had asked them to do. Or, you know, or let me say it this way. Never even believed God for a God opportunity in their life. They just did their day. Did what they knew to do and just kept doing those things. And loved God. You know, I wonder sometimes how much potential is never realized. In people simply because they never ask God. God could you use me to do more than what I think you could use me to do? See we're called to live a life of faith. Which is not a life of foolishness. It's not a life of presumption. It's not well I'm going to go out and do something and God I hope you bless it. That's foolishness. Faith is finding out God what do you want from me? And when do you want me to do that? And more than likely, your response to his response is going to be, I can't do that. That's right. That's why it's going to take faith to believe God to help you to get to those, to do those things that God has called you to do and has for you. You know, many times I believe that that we put so much um, of the weight upon God, like, well, God, I'm a tither and I'm a giver. Okay, but have you ever had to take a risk even in that? I mean, some of the greatest blessings in my life were also some of the greatest risk in my life. You know, I, I, and I've, I've thought about this a lot. Uh, you know, just not just like in the last few. I mean, I think about it a lot because I don't consider myself a big risk taker. But I've had other people tell me, oh, yeah, you are. No, you're a risk taker. Like, you, you don't play it safe and you take big risks. But I don't really think I am. But here's, and I've really been thinking about this a lot and trying to figure out why. Why do I feel like I don't take big risk when other people from the outside, friends of mine or whatever, they're like, oh, no, you're a risk taker. And I think this is why, because I don't take risk. I take steps of faith. And there's a big difference is that I don't do anything that I've not prayed and asked the Lord about, especially when it comes to a big decision of any kind, that I don't get the mind of God on it first. Therefore, I don't view it as a risk. I view it as a step of faith. And you're like, well, you're just, that's just words. <laughs> yes, but there's also action behind those words. 
Faith has action behind it. And I believe if we're not careful, we can shortchange ourselves, not just in our own life, but even, even in the life of our church. If we're not willing to really take some risk every now and then. Now, here's the problem with risk. Sometimes you don't hit it perfectly. What was God, God? You know, and I've had people tell me, ask those kinds of things. Because I've not always hit it perfectly. Sometimes I've had great failures. But I'm still here. It didn't kill me. It didn't ruin me. It didn't destroy me. And I've had people say, oh, did you miss the Lord? No. I, I know it was the Lord. Now, I may have made decisions that didn't help bring about what God had said. And there have been times where I took steps of faith and other people were greatly uh, influential in hindering what God wanted to do as well. So I could, you could say it this way. Sometimes your failure is not your failure. Sometimes other people around you that have influence into your life, can cause failure to come into your life, but you're not the one who actually didn't measure up. But yet, that's the first thing we think. When a failure comes, we look at it as, well, I screwed up. Well, you know, there's several ways to look at it. You can learn. I mean, some of the greatest teachers I've ever had were called failures. Because failure brings pain, and you don't forget those lessons quickly. And yet we are called to live by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Now I don't believe that that's just talking about saving faith. Because you've got to have faith to be saved. I mean Jesus didn't show up and say hey I'm the Messiah. Here's my hands. Here's my side. Turn to this verse. It's me. I've never seen Jesus. Never. So by faith, I believe that I have received salvation. That was by faith. Well, there's an element of faith that that is true. Well, that's saving faith. But I also believe that there's a degree that we can live and walk in called living faith. Faith that we can see God work and move on our behalf simply because we believed Him. I mean, I'm a pretty simple person when it comes... I don't, you know, I don't like things that are really complex. If they're really complex, I want to simplify them. It's just the way I am. I don't have time for clutter or distraction or just... You know, if you want to have a conversation with me, don't beat around the bush. Let's just talk. You know, like, let's just kind of get it all out the way. What do you need? What's going on? Let's talk about it. You know, and I believe that there are things in our life, though... That sometimes we can get so distracted that we're actually missing out on God's opportunities in our life. Or we're so overwhelmed by our circumstances that it's like we're just trying to keep our head above water. Well, when you're treading water, you're not swimming. And you're definitely not going anywhere. You're just treading. You're just trying to stay above. You're just trying to keep from drowning. And look, and I've been in those seasons of my life. Where it's just treading water. I'm, it's survival mode. Well, you're not really active in your faith in that moment though. Something different happens when you engage your faith, your belief in God's word. And you live a life of faith. Not only do you get to um, see God work and to do amazing things in your life and for you. 
But you get to see God do amazing things through you. Amazing things can happen so far beyond anything that you could believe that God would do in your life. Now, this applies to every area of our life. It doesn't matter. I mean, living a life of faith concerning our physical healing, living a life of faith concerning our homes and, and peace. And that, our, you know, I believe that our homes as believers, I, I believe I have scriptural standing to say this, ought to be sanctuaries. Amen. They ought to be where I go to find rest and relax. They shouldn't be chaotic. They shouldn't be a bunch of confusion. There ought to be love in our homes. I mean, you know, well, how are you going to get that? It's by faith. Because you may have some chaos in your house. And just because you say, Dad, gummit, we're going to love each other. That may not work. But if you'll start applying your faith. Because here's the thing that, that happens when we apply our faith. The Holy Spirit will begin to talk to us. Because, you know, if we live in the house, we're part of the problem probably, too. We probably create some of that environment. It doesn't matter if it's in finances. It doesn't matter if it's in your job. I mean, some of you are thoroughly convinced that God has you in the wrong place at the wrong time, at the wrong job, working for the wrong person. Thoroughly convinced of that. And God says, no, I have you exactly where I want you because I want you to rely upon me knowing that... That's the only way this is going to happen. See, these are steps of faith and a life of faith. I mean, sometimes we're in over our head and God says it's about time. Because we've been playing around in the kiddie pool long enough. And God's saying, hey, I want you to stretch out and to believe me. I mean, like really believe me. Why? Because I believe that faith honors God. Now, again, I'm not talking about foolishness. I'm not talking about being presumptive because I believe a lot of people presume God will do things for them. And, and they it's no more faith than it's just a dream. And they threw God's name on it and said, oh, God said. God doesn't have to bring about our dreams per se. Our flippant desires. But what about the things that God is stirring in you? To stretch out in because he wants to bring about increase into your life. There's always a risk. I mean, just, I mean, you know, we just received an offering. If you, that's a risk. You're, you're giving money for what? That takes faith. It, it takes faith just to simply be a tither. And yet, does tithing produce a blessing and a benefit in your life? Yes. Why? Because it's an act of faith. God honors faith. You know, the Bible says that God's not a respecter of person. In other words, He won't do something for me that He wouldn't do for you. But God is a respecter of faith. God says, look, I can bless that. I can bless that heart and that that determination that I'm going to see God work on my behalf. Now, it doesn't mean, and I'll just tell you, if you got 10 steps to where God's called you to be, go ahead and stop at about step one. Because it ain't going to happen the way you think. I'm convinced that the moment that I think that I have God figured out, He changes His mind just to prove to me that I can't figure Him out. I'm thoroughly convinced of that. Because I've seen it happen too many times in my life. Oh, well, this is just the way it's going to go. 
When I said no, God said yes. And when I said yes, God would always say no. I mean, you know, ultimately how we came here. When I left, I was a youth pastor in Kansas. I thought, man, you know, I believe the Lord's calling me to pastor. I'm ready. You know, we were going to go plant a church and this and that. And God said, not now. I'm like, what? I thought that was the next step. Well, it was. But he had something in mind in the middle. And I'm very thankful for that step in the middle because it makes me a much better pastor today. I thought I was ready. And here's what's funny. When I thought I was ready, I wasn't ready. And when I was convinced, I'm not ready, God said, yes, you are. God has a sense of humor. See, first, God said, not now. And then I was saying, not now. And he said, no, it's time. It's time for you to step out and to go. Well, it's a big step of faith. Well, that happens in all kinds of arenas in our life. I believe that, that there's opportunities that we could jump on it to use our faith to produce what God wants in our life. And it's, I believe it's one of the key ingredients. I mean, if you don't have faith and you pray, why do you have any expectation that God's going to respond? Lots of people pray. Not everybody gets the answers. Now, there's lots of reasons that you could look at for that, but where's your faith at? What do you really believe in God for? You know, and so I believe that there are several things, or a couple choices, let me say it that way, in how we view or approach life that makes all the difference when it comes to living by faith. The first one is this. So this is, could be an approach to life. Is that you can take life as it comes. I'm just going to roll with the punches. Whatever comes, it comes. Whatever happens, happens. I'll deal with it when it gets here. And you just kind of put off tomorrow for tomorrow. Now there's some wisdom. You shouldn't live in worry about tomorrow. Or regret about the past. Because you can't change either one. You only got today. So you got to do the best with what you can today. But the Bible actually says that you can actually begin to shape your world. And I'll show you this here in a moment. You can actually change the world in which you live by faith. You can change, or let me say, you can change your experience, your circumstances by your faith. Another one is this, is that you can let all of your five senses tell you what is fact. Now, we all have five senses. We all have natural, I mean, we all live in a physical body. And we can say, well, this is the reality of the moment. And we're not denying that. Faith does not deny what may be right now. What faith does is it recognizes that it doesn't have to stay like that. It doesn't, you know, it's not, what is that? The ostrich that sticks its head in the sand and just saying it'll go away, it'll go away, it'll go away. No, that's not, faith is not ignorant. I mean, that's just ignorant. You know, I mean, it's kind of like Max, he'll run around the house sometimes and I'll, I'll say something to him and he'll close his eyes because he thinks he, if he can't see me that I can't see him. And I'm like, son, I'm still here. And he's... That's how some people believe life works. If I just don't acknowledge it, it'll just... It doesn't work like that. But by faith, I can actually change the circumstances that my senses tell me are true. 
that tell me are fact. Well, hey, this is just the way it's going to be. Another one is this, is that you can either be led by your fear or you can be led by faith. You can't have both. You've got to get your faith to the point where it can overwhelm your fear. I mean, you know, fear can be a good thing in a way. As far as, you know, there's, I'm a, I like to do fun things. Well, what I define as fun, my wife doesn't agree, like jump off a cliff, you know, things like that. There's a certain amount of fear in that moment that's kind of good. Because I shouldn't just run and jump without, what, looking down and make sure that, hey, there's actually enough water down there to jump into. Things like that. Well, fear's good Why in that manner. Because that's just a, a healthy dose of like, I need to weigh my options here. But yet what happens is that the enemy brings in fear that will paralyze. And that's totally different. The Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear. But of what? Power, love, and of a sound mind. A spirit of faith and of trust in Him. Living a life of faith is very simply this. It's that you're confident in God's ability to work through you, not in your own ability. See, because I'm an analyzer. I'm going to lay out my plan. I'm going to figure out here step A, B, C. I mean, I'm a list person. Give me a list and let me knock it off. I mean, I I love it. There's nothing on that list anymore. This has been a good week for me because I've had available time to work on my list. And it's an amazing week. I feel very accomplished this week because my lists are like really small now. And that's awesome. I love that. But you know, if I'm not careful, even being kind of my achiever production type of person, I'll get my plan and forget to ask God about it. God, is this what you want? Is this what you are? Are you okay with this? If I make this decision, if I, if I do this, if I, you know, whatever it may be. Even in the areas that, you know, like for me, I'll just give it into my world. You know, and you'll understand this because you're part of the church. But I could go and listen to the greatest minds of today about how to grow a church. And guess what? We could grow a church and not be spiritual at all. Now, I believe in using the resources that we have. I mean, that's part of even things like the tailgate. Why why in the world would a church throw a a football party? Because people like football. We live in Arkansas. We live in the South. We like our football. I like football. I think some of you do. Well, if I can use a natural thing to attract somebody, that's fine. But my confidence shouldn't be in how good we can throw an event to attract some folks. As a matter of fact, I would much rather have an event that failed, but yet we saw people touched by the power of God. That's more important to me. Why? Because that's of real value. But I could easily, and a lot of, and I, look, and I've been guilty of this in the past, where it's just, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and you can grow a church. Or I can trust God and say, God, I don't want to build this. I want you to build our church. Well, the same can be in, in your own life. God, 
I realize I can work hard, and I believe in hard work. I believe in going to work, doing what you need to do. I believe in, in, in being the best at what you can do in, in your environment. Why? Because that's ultimately as unto the Lord. But are you responsible for the blessings in your life? Are you relying upon your gifts, your talents, your skill, your aptitudes, those things that God has given you to produce the desired result that you want? Even in the area of finances? Or are you really believing God saying, God, I want you to go way beyond what I think possible. I want you to bless me to the point where I'm like, God, stop already. Now, I know that seems a little, could seem, but yet the Bible says he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, and possibly even imagine. We serve a big God. You know, one of our core values here at the church is that we pray big prayers because we serve a big God. I don't want to say pray safe or tame down, watered down prayers. I want to believe God big. Because I know he's able. So why would I take a puny prayer to a big God? And yet all of us in areas of our life. God, I, I, I'm asking you to help me so that I can grow and to, to be more of who you've called me to be. That I don't want to just settle into where I am and say, this is good. Why not stretch out for more? Why not believe God for more? If he's gotten you to this point, will he not do more? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think we say that, you know, or at least the, the mentality is this, is that we would approach, and not that we would ever say this, but it's just some, it's like, I'm satisfied. Have you ever asked God if he's satisfied yet? Or does he want more? Does he want you to believe more? You know, one of the things I love about my pastor in Shreveport, Pastor Sam, he turned 70 this year. And, uh, you know, but one of the things that I love about him is that he's never satisfied. Like, there's always more. I mean, most guys that are in, I mean, he's been doing ministry for 40 years. He's 70 years old. Most people say, hey, when are you going to retire? And he's like, retire? Why would I want to retire? And I'm not against retiring. I mean, doing what I do, you can do this for a long time. So, but I love his passion to reach more people. Yeah. Through 40 years he's not become jaded. He's not just kind of hit it in cruise control. Because he could. He pastors a large church. And yet there's still this passion. And this desire to believe God for more. And to stretch out and to do more. And I love that about him. Why? Because in, in, if you, I mean, you can be around him for 10 minutes. God can always do more. God can always touch more people. God always wants to use us to do more. It's us who put the brakes on and say that we're good there. So we can be led in in several different ways. We can approach life in several different ways. Hebrews chapter 11. By the way, I'm just touching my notes. Just (laughs) throwing that out there. Definitely not getting through this this morning. Sometimes it happens that way. It's a weird thing. I don't know how to explain it, but sometimes it's that way. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. 
It says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things that we cannot see. It says, through their faith, the people of old earned a good reputation. So through their faith, they earned a good reputation. And it says in verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed by God's command. That what we see did not come from anything that can be seen. In other words, we understand this. You go read the Genesis account of creation. God spoke and He created things. Right? He, I mean, He spoke and created the universe, the planets, the sun, the moon, all those things. The only thing He took time on was man. Man and woman, the Bible says he took a little extra time to create us. It says he spoke everything else into existence, but he formed man. Well, in the very beginning, what did God say about man? He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. That word there actually means a speaking spirit. You can go and research it. If you're one of those type people and you think I'm lying, go ahead and go research it. You'll find it. It says a speaking spirit. Why? Because just as God had creative ability with the words he spoke, you could say it this way. God has faith when he speaks, things are going to happen. Well, we were made in that same image and in that same likeness. Other translations of verse 3 here would say that, uh, that the world was framed by the word of God. He framed it. I mean, you can even go read this without scripture. That he tells the oceans, you can go to this point, but you cannot pass. He set the boundaries of the way our planet would operate and our universe would operate. Well, if we have the same, if we're created in God's image, we can also use our faith to produce what God says. Now, this isn't some new age kind of speak it out to the universe and the universe will repay you. Because there is teaching out there like that, by the way. What I call the hijacked word of faith. Because that's all it is. You put out good vibes and they'll come back. What I believe it is, it's the blessing of God without the relationship or the accountability to God. That's what it actually is. But the Bible does say, and, and here's the thing, it's not just anything that we say. It's when our words agree with the word of God that they become powerful. All of a sudden now they begin to gain traction, if you will. Now, our words are powerful. I mean, Proverbs says that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, it goes on to say, which most people don't quote this part, he who loves them will eat the fruit thereof. Words produce, they are creative. But yet here it talks about that we can actually frame our worlds even by our words and more specifically by our faith by our belief when our when our life and our words begin to to mirror and to match up with God's word they become powerful in our life to begin to produce what God wants so that even whenever we're saying God my desire is that you would bless me I'm not just asking for God just to bless me because you like me I'm saying God I understand that you love me and you said that you would bless me And I ask you to bless me so that I can be a blessing. In those types of areas, even in the area of healing or, you know, is that, man, if you'll get some scripture and you'll begin to confess the word of God and declare that word over you, what are you doing? You're uh, you're speaking and you're creating God's desire for your life, which could be your healing, could be your blessing, it could be your breakthrough, could be whatever you need God to work in your life. It comes through faith. 
See, here's, here's one of the things that I believe is critical to faith. You don't have to have big faith for God to move. But what you do need is consistent faith. There's a consistency that I believe that if we can hone in on and walk in, I believe it will produce greater results. I mean, Jesus said all you need is the faith like a mustard seed. Not great faith. You just need some faith. But if you'll do that consistently, don't one day say, oh, I'm going to sow a seed and God's going to bless me and tomorrow. Well, I just don't know. My bills ain't going to get paid. Well, you're plucking up your seed. You've got to consistently, regardless of what your circumstances might look like in that moment, they will change if you will stick with it. If you stick with it, God's word will prove itself in your life. But there's consistency in our faith that's necessary. That's so important. You know, I spoke a little bit about this on Wednesday night. But uh, here in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, and this is talking about Abraham and really about the promise that God had given him. He said, God had told Abraham, he said, look, I will bless you. I will bless the nations of the earth through you. And, And so here it says... Uh, In verse 17 it says, This is what scriptures mean when God told him that I have made you the father of many nations. It says, This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Now the King James says it this way, is that he um, calls those things that aren't as though they are. See, because where Abraham was at, he had a promise at 75 that he was going to have an heir A son. Well, it was 25 years later before that promise showed up. I like to call that the gap. The promise to the fulfillment. There's a gap sometimes. What do you do in the gap? You got to believe. You got to, your faith has got to be active. Why? Because, and I love how it talks about this, and we won't have time to get into it this morning, maybe. Later, but uh, you know, as you go and read the account here in Romans chapter four about Abraham and him believing God, because it says by the time that it was that the Lord says, "Okay, now it's time for your heir." Abraham was a hundred, and if memory serves me correct, Sarah was ninety-eight. Not exactly fertile ground on either end. And I love what it says, though, and I can't remember which exact translation it is, but one translation says that Abraham, having considered his own body and Sarah's body, he looked at both of them and thought, "Mm, I'm not going to consider our present situation. Because if I put too much thought to my present situation, I'm going to talk myself out of my promise. So he said, I'm not even going to consider it. I'm going to put it out of my mind and I'm going to believe God that he's faithful to his promise in my life. He's living this life of faith, just saying, God, look, in the natural, there just ain't no way. I don't have a clue, but I don't have to have a clue. I know you. And because I know you, I can believe that your promise is true, that you will be faithful to what you've said for me and to me. You know, here in the same passage, it actually calls Abraham the father of faith. He's the father. All of us are considered to be heirs of Abraham. That's what the Bible says. 
Why? Because the Bible says that he believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Abraham believed God for 25 years. 25 years he was waiting on, a, on this promise, this heir to come. And yet he did receive the very thing that was promised. But he did have to stand fast and stay in faith to believe God to bring about his promise. The same thing is true for you. If you're going to receive what God wants for you and what God has for you, and that could be anything, it doesn't matter what it is, you're going to have to be willing to, number one, go find your promise, number two, stand and keep standing. You keep believing, you keep pressing, you keep, why? Because faith honors God. Sometimes what happens in the gap between the promise and the ultimate uh, fulfillment, if you will, is that God is preparing us for that promise. Now, God is a God of process. He is. Let me say it another way. God is a God of development. And He is shaping us and creating in us and molding us for what? So that we can be prepared for the promised land. He would, God would not allow the children of Israel to enter into their promised land for 40 years. Why? Because there was a spirit of doubt and unbelief that He said cannot maintain that promised land. Why? Because people of faith could only take the promised land and only people of faith could keep the promised land. And you go and read the story, the children of Israel lost their promised land because they quit living by faith. So you can, you can live by faith even for a time and then not, and then hit cruise control, say, oh, it's good. I'm where I need to be. You still have an enemy. And only faith keeps them out. And that's what it requires to even keep what God, the blessings that God has brought in you. And so part of what I want you to hear today is this, because I know some of your background, some of you have walked with God for a long time. You've believed God and you've seen God work in your life and, and fulfill His promises in your life. But are you still walking in that same faith that got you to that promised land? Because if you're not, you can lose it. Why? Because the enemy will come back in and steal. If we're not paying attention, if we're not being mindful and believing God and really activating our faith. And it's what we have to do as believers to maintain that, to live a life of faith saying, God, I never want to be satisfied. I never just want to be content saying, well, I'm good, God. I always want to have that that, uh, ambition, if you will, a a proper one, not an out of uh, whack one, if you will. But a, a proper response to God is that God, that you said that you would do more. God, I want to see you use me more. I want, you, I want to see you use our church more. I want to see you use me to touch more people around me. God, what do you want from me even in this moment? I mean, maybe you need to pray and ask the Lord, God, what do I need to be believing you for right now? And it may not be anything to do directly with you, but maybe he wants you to use your faith Maybe in the place that He has you working. Maybe it affects other people. And God says, look, because you're a person of faith, I can move through you. God is always looking for somebody to flow through. And yet it is going to take 
faith. It's going to take a response on our part to respond to God, to activate our faith, to believe Him. I mean, even in the current climate of our nation, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Well, what's it going to take? It's going to take the body of Christ believing that God can work, even in the midst of our situations. It's going to take faith. There's no other way around it. I shared this on Wednesday night, but I'll give you a simple definition of faith, which is this. It's trusting that God is faithful to His Word. Faith isn't complicated. It's just saying, God, I'm going to take you at your Word. Your Word says it. That settles it. I don't need to go talk to anybody else. I don't need to get anybody else's opinions. You said you would heal me. You'll heal me. I'm going to begin to confess. Jesus took stripes upon my back or upon his back so that I can be made whole and well. By his stripes, I am healed. The same God that forgives my sins heals my diseases. I'm beginning to declare what God's word says. In the area of finances, Father, I thank you that I lack no good thing. I thank you that you delight when I prosper. You said that you would not withhold anything from me that I needed. You said if, if, I, if I needed anything, all I had to do was seek your kingdom first and you would bring everything I needed into my life. You begin to speak the word of God and what happens? Faith comes by hearing, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you speak God's word, the more your faith is going to rise. The more confident that you become. Faith is also could be said like this, is to be fully persuaded or to be convinced, not doubting, but trusting fully in your good Father. Amen. Not doubt. I'm, I'm thoroughly, fully convinced that God will do what He said in His Word that He'd do for me. And because of that, I trust Him. And because of that, I'm going to talk like I trust Him. I'm going to act like I trust Him. I'm going to make decisions like I trust Him. I'm not going to make decisions based out of fear or out of anxiety. I'm not going to uh, make uh, decisions out of doubt or unbelief. I'm going to stretch out in faith and see God do what He says He would do. Amen. Now, I quoted this verse earlier, but I'll give you the reference to it and I'll read it again. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 3. Now to give you a little context, right before this, he's at, the Apostle Paul is actually telling us how much we're loved by God. If you don't know, go read these verses. It's um, Ephesians chapter 3, we would call it one of the Ephesians prayers. But here in verse 20, He says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and to do super abundantly more than we could dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to his power at work within us. Now this is a prayer that Paul is praying. He says, Now unto him. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. Now unto God who is able. To do super abundantly more than we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams. According to His power. See, our faith doesn't rest in us. It's not something that we muster up. It is God's power. It's the Holy Spirit helping us to what? To produce the faith that God would desire for us to have so that He can work and bring about even what it says here. I love how the Amplified adds this. Super abundantly. That sounds like a lot. I'm not sure, but it sounds super abundantly. I mean, it would be one thing if we were like, oh, God's abundant. 
Well, the Amplified Bible adds and says that he's super abundant. He's, God's not a God of just enough for you. He's more than enough. God is an overflow God, an over-the-top kind of God. That's what the Bible shows us. And it says that God would do more than we could dare even ask or think. Take your biggest dream and God says, I can top that. You're like, man, life would be amazing if, I, if this were, was where I was at. God could do more. Now, motive matters a lot to God. So you got to keep your motives in check. But, but yet all of those things happen through faith. Through our trust and our reliance upon God to fulfill His Word to us and for us. And yet it happens not being moved by what we see, not being moved by what we experience, not being moved by our day-to-day world, if you will. We're moved by the Word of God. We're moved by His promises to us. And when we apply our faith and our trust and our reliance upon God to say, God, I realize that I may be broke in my checkbook, but I thank you that you're the God who supplies all of my needs. And not growing weary. The Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. Why? Because in due season, at the right, appropriate, God-appointed moment, you will reap if you don't faint. So don't grow weary in the gap. And it, 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 it's, it's easy to, if you will, but yet faith will keep you strong. No, I'm not going to give up. No, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to step back and I'm not going to allow the enemy to rob from me. God, I'm going to, to see you come through for me and you will provide and you will do what you said. And that's what keeps you. Why? Because you have a good, loving father. Who said that he will do super abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And it's by faith. Faith isn't hard, but it is a choice. It's a choice. It's a a decision that you make. It's a decision that I make. God, I'm not going to back off. I'm going to stick with this. And I'm going to keep believing you. And I'm going to keep believing you. It doesn't matter what everybody else says. I'm going to keep believing you. Because that faith will produce if you don't quit.